welcome in to another episode of Please Bear With Me with your host, Travis Corley. And the game certainly did not go the way that we wanted it to go, that we thought it would go, um, but things definitely got weird, and and that's one thing we knew for sure. Baylor just uh, was not on the winning side of it, and did not think this team would be 3-3 three and three through six games in the season, but you know what? It is what it is, and we are what we are. No guest today, so you're you're stuck with me today. Um, but as the title of the podcast says, please bear with me. Welcome in once again to Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley. Like I said in the intro, you are stuck with me today and all of my thoughts rolling around in my head. So, you know what? Let's get to it and let's talk some truth. Um, This team is what it is at this point. I don't see, you know, a way for us to become just a really elite team over the next six games. And you know what? That's okay. That is okay. It's certainly not where we wanted to be or, or where we thought we would be. And that's okay. You know, we have, we have a little bit of an immature team. And at this point, I would say this team is average to above average. And at this point, this team is going to have to fight for a bowl game. They are fighting for their bowl game life. And there is a real possibility so prepare yourself. There is a real possibility that this team will not make a bowl game, which I think would be the only way I could kind of say this year would be a disappointment. You know, I came in saying that <clears throat> the floor of the team for me was 6 and 6. Said that in the season expectations episode and that was if the wheels came off. And I and I don't think the wheels are totally off yet um but they certainly could come off they they are starting to come off the uh the spokes are are starting to jumble or you know come loose a little bit no you know no one expected us to be 3 and 3 at worst i i i would say would be 4 and 2 at this point and there were three kind of things that i was thinking would be the reason why this team you know would hit the floor of six to six and it was wide receivers it was defensive backs and it was injuries and we are we are kind of dealing with all three of those things um throughout the season at first we started with the wide receivers um the inexperience at wide receiver i think they have improved every single game we've had guys like gavin holmes emerge And Drake Dabney is having a solid year. So I think we've got really a four-man crew of solid pass catchers. And they continue to improve. The offense continues to improve. And so we're certainly, excuse me, we're certainly not where I thought we would be 
um, as far as the receivers go, but the offense has really started to click. And so I, I think the wide receivers are less of an issue at this moment. And I, I'm not too concerned with, with who's going to be catching passes for us, at least as much as I was to begin the season. But the defensive backfield, that is that is 100% the, the biggest weakness of this team. And I thought coming into the season that the defensive line, as good as the defensive line was going to be, they'd be able to cover up some of those weaknesses at defensive at defensive back until those guys kind of matured a little bit and caught up to the speed of the game and understood the <clears throat> sorry i'm a <clears throat> got flame in my throat i apologize um but until those guys were kind of able to get up to the scheme um, and get some reps under them get up to speed as far as what we're trying to do on defense and Aranda, he, he, he's been keeping things very simple. In, in his um, interview with David Smoke today, said they're playing lots of cover two, too high. And that is not something we did a lot of last year. And I think that's something we're doing a lot this year because, um, you know, we're, we're just not there experience-wise at defensive back or at safety. And the run support even from the, from, from the DBs, has not been great. That that was the worst run support and worst tackling we've seen under Dave Aranda in that second half of the West Virginia game. So wide receivers, defensive backs um, are, are are not getting it done now. Defensive backs. And the third thing was was dealing with injuries, and we haven't really been hit by the injury bug too terrible. Um, Khalil Keith hasn't played a game. Which, which was a big loss. I think Gavin Byers has stepped up and played well. Tay McWilliams has been out since BYU. But you know what? Richard Reese has emerged. And I think he's played so well for this offense. He's been a really, really good bright spot that we've kind of been able to hang our hat on. But, uh, you know, just this past weekend now, Shapin and Squirrel both go out with head injuries. Um, so their availability is up in the air. For Kansas. And now we're, we're kind of getting hit by this injury bug. And there's a fourth thing that's that's crept up on us, and it's special teams. You, you could argue that the reason that we have three losses is because of special teams. We miss an extra point against BYU. We end up going to overtime. If we have one more point, we win the game. We give up a kick kickoff return against Oklahoma State. That's seven points by special teams. And then this past weekend, this past Thursday, we miss another extra point, but this time it gets blocked and they return it for points. Um, a a three-point swing, and hey, guess how much we lost by? Three. So yeah, I, I think missing a bowl game is definitely a possibility at this point in the season, looking at our next six games. That's against a Kansas team that was that was ranked before their loss this past weekend. That's at Tech. That's at OU, who's playing a little bit better, played a little bit better against Kansas. We've got at home against a ranked Kansas State, at home against a top 10 TCU team, and then on the road against a ranked Texas team, who also, I think, is playing well. I, I think they're starting to figure things out. So we've got a loaded loaded back half of this schedule and 
the floor for this team now. I, I kind of want to give a new floor and a new ceiling now that we're halfway through this season. The new floor for me, honestly, guys, is 4-8. and eight. Like, there is a real chance that this team goes 4-8 and eight because the only real game that I'm super confident in is OU, which is also wild to say. Like, that is the only game I can really look and say, like, yeah, I feel real confident that we're going to win that game. Followed up secondly by Kansas, because at Tech, although they're at the bottom of the Big 12, uh, along with us, or, or middle of the Big 12, that got announced today that that is a night game, and it's sold out, uh, sold out butt bowl here in a couple weeks, so that is going to be a really tough game, like all of these games are going to be tough, so there is a there is a real chance that Baylor only wins one more game this season and ends up 4-8. and eight. Which is which would be a a big disappointment in my eyes. I don't think that's going to happen, but it definitely is a possibility. And the ceiling, the new ceiling for me, is the opposite of that. I think we can get to eight wins and then maybe nine if we win the bowl game. Yeah, I, I think the new ceiling here is eight and four. I feel good that we can um, pull out these next three: uh, Kansas, Tech, OU. I think those are those are possibilities for sure. And then I think we can get two wins <clears throat> versus Kansas State, TCU, and Texas. Like, if everything goes right, if we can figure out our defensive backfield, because um, that offense is humming, guys. That, that offense is like... None of us thought that the defense would be the issue for this team right now. But the offense is like ahead, honestly. Of where I thought it would like, I think we we put up over 500 yards against West Virginia, our best offensive performance of the year, and maybe under Dave Aranda, and it was the offense that had to help the defense, you know, keep up and stay in the game. So it's weird to say that our floor and ceiling is dependent on the defense, but look, it is what it is at this point. The defense is not where we thought it would be. The, the immature and lack of experience in the defensive backfield is, uh, is worrisome. It is worrisome, but we can trust, um, as we always should, that co- a, a <laughs> the type of coach that Dave Aranda is, that he is going to shore up some of those defici- deficiencies in the back. In the back. I, I trust that he can do that. But guys, the, the sky is not falling. Like, don't give up on this team. This team is still, I, I said they were average to start, and that's where we are right now. I think we are an average team, but we can improve. I'm not sure we can get to an elite level, but we can be better. The offense uh, is improving. It really is. And Baylor is in the top half of the conference, both in total yards and scoring, offensively and defensively. And for the less casual fan, we're 18th in FPI, which is the Football Power Index, and we're 21st in S&P Plus. So based on both of those metrics, we are still effective on both sides of the ball, and we are still a top 25 team in those metrics, which I think are, are more telling stats and metrics than like total yards and total scoring. Because these uh, the FPI and S&P Plus are, are opponent-adjusted. It's like we we really are effective on both sides of the ball, but the issue is Baylor continues to hurt itself. 
a minus three turnover differential. And we just, we, we just got to take care of the ball. And so even with those turnovers, if we can just make two extra points, we are sitting at five and one. And, and maybe where some of us don't think the sky is falling, which I know there some, are some of you out there that do think that. I don't think that. I think we're, we're just fine. We've, we've just got to shore up like shooting ourselves in the foot. So you, you can be disappointed. But do not give up on this team. And if not winning the Big 12, which is, by the way, out of the question at this point, like I don't think there's any chance we're making the Big 12 championship. And if that ruins the season for you, well, then that really sucks for you. Because we've got six games left against some very, very good opponents. Four of our remaining six games are in the top 20 in that S&P Plus that I was just talking about. So we have some very good opponents coming coming up. And don't be a Fairweather fan. If you're a Fairweather fan, then, then buy. Like, adios. There is lots of exciting football left for the Baylor Bears. And I am excited to see what this team is going to come out as this back half of the schedule. Because it is loaded. And there's lots of excitement left. And I am excited about these remaining games. Some very, very good opponents coming up for the Baylor Bears. All right, it's that time. It's that time I've been dreading, and that's talking about this West Virginia game and getting a recap because you know what? It's what we do on the podcast, and we've got to do it. So Baylor, 0-6 and six in Morgantown. Yikes. Yikes. Probably our best chance to go in and get our first win in Morgantown and just not able to do it. In 2012 was that 70-63 to 63 historic, historic game. 2014 uh, was a letdown after the 61-58 game versus TCU. Kind of, uh, lost us a playoff spot, so pretty big loss there. 2016 was a snow game. And that capped that six-game losing streak to end the year. In 2018, Brewer gets a concussion. And 2020 is a double overtime loss in the COVID year. And then, of course, the game that we're about to talk to talk about here over the next few minutes. And for the second game in a row, according to college football data, Baylor, their post-game win percentage and expectancy has been over 50%, which means looking back at the stats, you would expect Baylor to have won both of their last two games. And guys, we, we've already talked about it, shooting ourselves in the foot, giving up points on special teams. That's that's kind of what it, what it comes down to. I know there's been a myriad of other issues, but it comes down to kind of giving up those points on special teams. And I... I didn't really know a better way to go through this game other than just kind of go through it chronologically. Um, it's a little bit different than, than what I've been doing, but just to go through it as the game happened and then give you my thoughts there. And it was a it was a rough start. A, a three and out, and then West Virginia charges down the field for a touchdown. So kind of already we're, we're worried to start the game. I, I thought we actually came out a little bit flat. Coach Aranda didn't think we did, but... It looked like we did to me, and look, I love Squirrel Williams, but he should not have started this game. He should not have got the first carries of this game. I know we only went three plays, but 
the time to get Squirrel Williams going was about three games ago, and that didn't happen. But Richard Reese has been going for a while now. And so he's, I, I've said it again and again, he needs to be leading this team in, in rushing attempts. And for him to not get the first carries here of the game, um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. So, hey, we're, we're already down 7-0, to zero, but we kind of settle into the game from here. A field goal on our next drive, and then a six plays and punt from West Virginia, and then we go five plays, 85 yards for a touchdown. Not not used to that quick of scoring there from Baylor. Uh, Gavin Holmes has a 56-yard catch, which, which started off Holmes' really big night and capped off with the Ben Sims one-yard run. Then a three and out from West Virginia, and then three plays and another touchdown for Baylor. This time's Holmes on a 35-yard touchdown catch, and just like that, it's 17 to seven. That slow start has been evaporated, and you know what? We're we're feeling pretty good. And then 13 plays for West Virginia and a field goal. So hey, we we didn't give up the explosive play there. We made them charge down the field in 13 plays, and then held them to a field goal. So again. Feeling pretty good at this point. It's 17 to 10. There's about four minutes left in the first half. And this is where the weirdness begins. This is where the the crumbling of Baylor begins. Um, we have a great opportunity here to, to, to put some distance between us and West Virginia and go up by two touchdowns here before the end of the first half. Gavin Holmes has another huge catch, a 46-yard catch here, and he is balling out. We're into West Virginia territory, and then Shapin gets loose with the ball. He's he's only got one hand on it as he escapes the pocket. As a quarterback, you, you always like to see two hands on the ball as you escape the pocket because, I mean, his arm barely gets hit, and just like that, the ball comes out. West Virginia is right there, a 65-yard fumble return for a touchdown, and the the weirdness begins. A chance to go up 24-10. Now it's a, ball, a, a tie ball game at 17 apiece. But a, a really good answer here before half, another five-play touchdown drive, a 75-yard drive from Baylor. Squirrel catches a 39-yard touchdown on a screen play. We have not been super effective on screen plays this year. Um, and finally, we're able to execute one to perfection. And it's 24 to 17. And hey, we're we're probably, I think, like a minute, minute and a half to halftime here. And we force a three and out from West Virginia. There's 46 seconds left. And we are finally aggressive. We use some timeouts to try and score again. That's something I, I've not been used to seeing from Baylor and from Coach Aranda. And so I loved seeing the aggressiveness of calling the timeout. We get the ball back and we come down here to about midfield. It's fourth and five. There's 20 seconds left and we punt it, um, which confused me because we've been aggressive on fourth down for the last two seasons. And we were aggressive with our timeouts right here before half and it's fourth and five, you know, we've got to get maybe 10 or 15 yards for a good field goal. And even if we don't get it, West Virginia has to do the same thing because we're around midfield. And so not going for it here kind of disappointed me. And I, I don't really know why we didn't go for it. It seemed like we were being aggressive. And then all of a sudden, um, 
We weren't. We weren't. Uh, but at halftime, Baylor, 358 yards of offense, shaping in 12 and 19 for, for 294 yards and two touchdowns. Holmes has four catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. We only had 64 rushing yards, but you know what? When, when the pass attack is on fire like that, then yeah, let, let's keep passing. Let's When Shapin is on point and on his game, like, yeah, let's give him the ball. And so other than that fumble, it, it was a great half. It was a great half. We should have been up 24 to 10, but you know what? We go up 24 to 17, and I, I'm really feeling good. I'm feeling good about the second half of this game. West Virginia only has 187 yards of offense, 109 passing, 78 rushing. And yes, that is a little bit high on the rushing yards, but I don't think the the defense played badly in the first half at all. I mean, were there missed tackles? Yes. Did we give up 78 on the ground? Yes. Okay. But we only gave up 10 points as a defense. And... I don't think that those defensive woes that that we're going to talk about here in the second half, I don't think they showed up till the second. I I don't. And going into the second half here is where the weirdness, the just super, just, oh, the weirdness of Morgantown ensues and it kicks into gear. We trade touchdowns here, but it's going to cost Baylor because West Virginia comes out and scores a touchdown, and then Baylor goes 13 plays for a touchdown, um, and this is where it costs us. Squirrel goes out with a head injury on the kickoff return, so he's out, um, which which sucks because, hey, Squirrel just can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. You know, we've got good running backs in that running back room, so not a huge hit, but Shapin goes down hard while sliding, targeting on the play by West Virginia and and he's out. So like, here we go. Like here we freaking go again. And drones comes in. We go for it on fourth down and goal and a two yard pass to Presley on a fourth down for the touchdown. We trade touchdowns again. West Virginia goes eight plays. We get the ball. We go six plays and a touchdown and then more just craziness and no bueno-ness from the Baylor Bears. Drones, though, is throwing some absolute dimes on this drive. He looked really, really good. It looked like he just came in with confidence. Um, you know, Aranda's talked about he, he could see the white in, in the team's eyes against BYU. Didn't see that at all with Drones. So we score 37-31. to 31. Extra point is looming. And we all know what happens. Extra point blocked. Not only blocked, but returned for two points for West Virginia. And just like that, instead of a touchdown lead, it's a 37-33 ball game. Baylor's still ahead, but, you know, this is pretty much what, what, what cost us the game. Um, you know, other things, but this is, this is the main issue right here. Excuse me, man. So West Virginia gets the ball back, and, and they've got all the momentum here all the momentum, but finally the defense is able to come through. You feel like the tide is finally turning as badly as the defense has played in this half, uh, forcing a turnover on downs from West Virginia on a fourth and short, and you're you're like, yes, here we go. We're up four. We've got a chance again. We've got another chance to go up by two scores, and two plays later, Quaylen Jones 
fumbles the ball away on on what would have been a, a great gain. Um, gives the ball right back to West Virginia. So the the roller coaster ride that we are on and will continue to be on is uh, is not fun. It had its fun moments, but all in all, was not fun. So West Virginia goes in nine plays, scores a touchdown. There's seven minutes left in the game, forty to thirty-seven. Okay, yeah, we're down, but we've got plenty of time. The offense has been humming. Even though Drones is in there, we're feeling good. Um, But as we are making our way down the field, we're about the West Virginia 19-yard line. We're thinking, hey, we're at least going to get some points here. Drones goes under pressure, and he makes that young young quarterback mistake trying to make a play and throws the ball while he's being tackled. It's an interception. And here, here, here comes the roller coaster again. We are just along for the ride at this point. Not looking good for Baylor until literally the next play. JT Daniels throws an interception to Dylan Doyle. We're pretty much right back where we were in the West Virginia territory. Uh, we're, we're not able to push it any further, really. But John Mayers comes in and hits a 44-yarder to tie the game at 40. And you know what? Credit to John Mayers. Lost his position last year to Hankins, comes in this year, and has has been pretty solid for us minus the uh, the blocked extra point, which really probably isn't his fault. Uh, but really, credit to John Mayers for coming in and 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 giving us that leadership and experience there from our field goal kicker. And so we are tied at forty. We are tied at forty. Um, thinking the defense has kind of turned that corner as badly as they played again, and. Man, West Virginia just gashes us. They gash us on the ground. We're we're not able to uh, to really stop the run as we were not able to do it really the entire second half. No pressure on the quarterback. Run game got wherever it wanted to go. A 37-yard run from Mathis iced the game. They kick a field goal. I mean, there's 30 seconds left, and we all know what happens. No real chance um, for us to go. And tie the game. So that ends the game. 43-40. to 40, Your Bears going down. And, uh, you know, we'll get into what uh, I'm mainly disappointed about. Um, but first, I want to hear um, from Coach Randa. Put on your boots. Let's out dance. Dave Randa had a press conference. Let's say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Randa's going to talk football. Dave's going to talk. Here is Dave Aranda on the tackling woes. I think, I appreciate the question. I, I, I think you get into, um, I think you have to, to, to meet them where they're at in terms of how they see it. I think it's important that we all see it the, the, the same way. And, and I know when you look at it on film or you look at it in a TV copy, it should hit you in the face of just atrocious and bad and all this other thing. I've learned not to be shocked by by um, coming around and asking, how do you see it, and why did this happen? And I think that's important because that can help you uh, with uh, your way through it, right, and make the best connection with them. I think practice is the number one thing that comes to mind. I think we have to um, we have to practice better, and and I have to hold them to higher standards at the end of a play. You know, I think... Um, we generally have a quick whistle when we practice, and I think the finish 
of uh, defensive play can um, be can be better. And I think when we're not finishing the play in a football position, either tagging at the hip or thudding up on a ball carrier, if we're not doing that consistently enough, then I think what ends up happening is you're training guys to not finishing games and leave their feet and all this other stuff. And I look at uh, you know my part in what showed up the other night. And so we're for sure going to be better at our approach with that. Yeah, so uh, when Dave kind of is talking about the issues with tackling there in the second half, you know, for, for me, that was the most disappointing thing from the defense is the tackling. <clears throat> and he talks about there how they've kind of blown the whistle a little bit early in practice, and maybe that's given a uh, a mindset of, of not to finish the play here with our defense, and they're going to look at shoring that up, so... Maybe here in uh, in the next week or so, we're, we're going to see a lot more tackling drills. We're going to see maybe them not being quick to the whistle and some physical practices. I think this defense needs it. I think they need to, look, practice finishing the play. That that seems to be an issue with the approach of the defense, which is, which is a hard pill to swallow. Um, I'm sure for Coach Aranda and Coach Roberts and, and for me as well, um, it really stinks to see us go out there and just not be able to tackle, um, to see our heads down on tackles. You, you know, you, you got to see what you're going to hit. We're leading with our shoulder. We're rushing in to make tackles. And, and let me back up. It is good to lead with the shoulder, but you've got to wrap up as well instead of just, you know, hitting with your shoulder and hoping that the guy's going to go down. We're rushing in to make tackles and not breaking down, coming in too fast. That That's immaturity, immaturity to me. And we're trying to make the big play. We're, we're trying to, hey, I'm going to get this guy down for a zero-yard gain when maybe if I break down, it's only a two-yard gain. But since I'm going for the you know big play and the zero-yard gain, He's able to break that tackle, and now he's going for 8, 10, 12 yards. And the other piece that Coach Aranda is, is going to talk about um, right after that is the not doing your 111th job, not playing together. And so I think what we saw here is people trying to make the big play, um, and that created more issues. People trying to do the job of someone else on the defense and hey maybe I'm going to plug this gap because I don't trust that <clears throat> the person next to me is going to plug that gap well as soon as I leave my gap to plug your gap then my gap becomes open and whoever the running back quarterback whoever sees that and, and takes advantage of the new problem that's now been compounded on top of not trusting teammates so Man, th those are two really big things. Two really big things this defense can can shore up, and and I hope they will shore up. And we'll see if this is kind of like a one game, one half type of situation here, or if this is gonna just be who we are for the rest of the year. I'm thinking this was just a a one time deal, a, a funky game that we all tried to make the big play and weren't trusting each other, but. Uh, we're going to have to see against Kansas because 
these guys are pretty physical. They've got some speed, some team speed. And so we're really going to have to, uh, to break these guys down on tackles and, and, uh, just make them. We just got to make the tackles. That is, that is, uh, really frustrating to see from a Baylor defense. West Virginia's success rate on passing downs was 60%, but you know, I think that really comes down to, to the rush defense. If, if we're getting gashed on the, on the rush, then look, the, the passing game's going to open up. We, we all know how that happens. And speaking of the rush defense, 217 yards on the ground from West Virginia. So, you know, I think we, what was it? 78 in the first half. So we gave up, this looks like about 130 in the second half, uh, 5.9 yards per carry from West Virginia. And they're running back. We, we made him look like an all-conference guy. 22 rushes for 163 yards, two touchdowns, a 7.4 yards per carry average. And, you know, not, not completely a defensive line issue. I think the defensive line is fine. But the second line of guys just could not clean it up. Could not clean it up. Terrible tackling. And, uh, you know, guys trying to stretch their responsibilities trying to do too much and you know eh, another issue we're seeing is no pressure on the quarterback and I, I think that it, it is an issue but I think it's a secondary issue to tackling like <laughs> we got to make tackles we got to make people earn it and we got to make these tackles and you know certainly this this game came down to our atrocious defense in the second half but it also came down to four turnovers by Baylor and non-offensive scoring from West Virginia. We talked about the missed extra point. That's a three-point swing. We lost by three. You know, you can argue special teams. It's cost us all three of our losses here up until this point. A fumble recovery for a touchdown, and now that's 18 points. 18 points that we have given up in the last two games on non-offensive scoring, safety and kickoff return versus Oklahoma State, then here are the fumble recovery and mixed extra point that was returned versus West Virginia. Whew. So, not fun to talk about. Definitely not fun to talk about. But what is fun to talk about is our offense. I mean, our, our offense was awesome. It was so fun to watch, and... Haven't seen that type of, of explosive offense from Baylor in a long time. And it's easily the best offense we've seen under Grimes and under Aranda. And like, again, if you truly still think that we made the wrong decision choosing Blake Shapin, like you are 100% wrong, just flat out incorrect, sir or ma'am, you are very wrong. Blake Shapin was, at this point in the season, obviously the way to go at quarterback. I don't think there's any way we're really in this game without Blake Shapin. And even against Oklahoma State, I know our offense didn't play well in that first half, but we were moving the ball and we just couldn't finish the drive. Had a couple drops as well, but just couldn't finish that drive. But here against West Virginia, an, an awesome offensive performance. 11.4 yards per pass for Shapin. 590 yards of total offense. 590 yards. That is that is insane. That is a lot of yards of offense. A 54% success rate and 8.19 yards per play. Those are those are both 
at least the, the yards per play here, best of the Aranda era. So if there's one thing you want to take that, that you're excited about from this game, it's a hundred percent the offense. And I saw people talking about, Hey, do we win this game? If Shapin isn't hurt? I don't know. I don't know because honestly, the offense wasn't the issue to me this game. That isn't the reason that we lost this game. Do we have a better chance to win there at the end of the game? Maybe not throwing the, uh, the interception. Sure. Yeah. A, a case can be made that Shapin would have continued his dominant performance and, and scored us some more points there at the end of the game. But I don't want to dwell on that because again, it shouldn't have ever been this close. We should have never given up 43 points to West Virginia. However, those points happened. It should never have happened. Should never have happened. Let's keep the good vibes going here and get to the oh-so-good player of the game. A very, very easy decision for me this week. It's Gavin Holmes. Seven catches for 210 yards and a touchdown. This guy was making plays for us the entire night, all over the field, in the slot, on the outside. And man, it is so good to see Gavin Holmes healthy and making plays for this Baylor team. Gavin Holmes, your oh-so-good player of the game. And hey, while I'm at it, a few other stats for this game. Shapin, 14 of 22, 326 yards and two TDs. If he stays in the game, maybe his best performance as a Baylor Bear yet. If he stays in the game, for sure, would have been his best performance. Reese, 13 of 57 carries. 13 for 57 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. And Jones, 10 for 44, 4.4 yards per carry. But Gavin Holmes, easily, easily, your oh-so-good player of the game. Before we get into this Kansas preview, there is one more thing I want to say and, and talk about with this defense. And it's, at what point do we just turn this defense loose? You know, like, I get that Aranda and Roberts, they've been trying to keep things a little bit simple, for the sec for for the young secondary, I get it. You know, some simple cover two. Coach Randa said that's that's mainly what they've been playing this year, cover two. And you know, we see the cornerbacks are not pressing. They're sitting back seven to eight yards on a third and two against West Virginia. You know, just haven't seen a lot of press coverage this year. But look, I mean, we're three and three. The the Big Twelve Championship is not happening. We, we haven't had an effective pass rush. So at what point are we going to just turn this defense loose and say, hey, if we make mistakes and give up the big play, so be it. So be it. Like we, we've got to get these young guys some type of, of experience pressing. And like we've got to start sending five or six guys for some pressure. Like it, I would really just like to see this defense get turned loose. Like we really have nothing to lose at this point. I, I would love to see us just live with those mistakes of giving up a deep bomb, but like, uh, I just want to see us be more aggressive, I guess. I, I, it just feels like we're, we're kind of playing it safe and just trying not to give up the big play so much so that we're giving up a pass rush and we're we're not playing aggressively. That's just what it feels like to me. So 
Like at, at this point, I I would really like to see this defense get turned loose and just let these guys go out there, play full speed. If they make mistakes, at least they're going full speed, and at least we're learning. I, I'm hoping to see that against Kansas. I'm hoping hoping to see this defense kind of create some more havoc, and I'm hoping Roberts is just gonna say to hell with it, man. Let's let's go after these guys and and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. All right, let's talk Kansas. Baylor opened as a 10-point favorite in this game, which is uh, pretty wild to me. I think it's since gone down to an 8-point favorite, but still, um, that is a pretty big uh, <clears throat> pretty big difference there in my opinion. But Kansas, 5-2 and two on the year, 2-2 two and two in conference. Um, they've had a, a, an excellent year, an excellent year, and they've struggled with injuries here over the past two weeks now. Um, they lost their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who at the time was a legitimate Heisman contender, like legitimate Heisman contender, which is so weird to say about Kansas. But they lost to TCU 38-31. to That's the game that Daniels went down. And Jason Bean, their backup, came in and had four touchdowns in that second half of the TCU game. They just could not pull it off. And Bean is... Um, He's one of the fastest guys on their team. He is, uh, he's got a lot of athleticism with him. And against OU, he started that game. They lost 52 to 42 last weekend. He was 16 of 27, 265 yards, four touchdowns, um, which is not a bad stat line at all. Like by any stretch, that is a pretty good stat line. He did have two interceptions and then 10 rushes for 41 yards. So, hey, I know Jalen Daniels isn't going to be playing this weekend. And neither will uh, Kobe Bryant, which we'll talk about the the defense here in a second. Um, yes, his name is Kobe Bryant. But yeah, J- Jason Bean is gonna gonna start for the Jayhawks there in the backfield at quarterback, uh, partnering with Devin Neal. Yeah, so we we've got a safety named Devin Neal, and the Jayhawks have a running back named Devin Neal. I'm really impressed with this guy. He's a physical runner. He's averaging 6.6 yards per carry this year, and he's got five touchdowns. And Kansas is the third-ranked offense here in the Big 12 in scoring. They're scoring uh, 40.1 points per game. So, hey, even with that backup quarterback, Baylor's defense has its has its work cut out for them. I think Lance Leipold, the Kansas head coach, and their offense they run is kind of similar to, to what Baylor wants to do, and that's be physical, that's show you a lot of misdirection, and uh, send a lot of guys in motion, and... That has a a chance to confuse our our immature defensive backfield, and when you got a playmaker like Bean with his athleticism there at quarterback, and Devin Neal at running back, like they've still got a very good offense that that can make things happen and they can score a lot of points. Like I know OU defense is no good, um, but look, putting up forty two points is uh is very good. It's very good. It's nothing to uh to shy away from it's nothing to uh you just say oh whatever 42 points no like that's 42 points in a big 12 game that's uh that's very good looking at the defensive side of the ball not so good not so good uh eighth ranked scoring defense they're giving up 30 points per game i think we'll get over that mark for sure but they lost their best playmaker in kobe bryant versus ou uh this past weekend which which really stinks like i, I really do feel bad for for kansas and the injuries they're going through Right now, they were having just a uh, kind of a dream year up until Jalen Daniels 
gets hurt. Easily could have pulled that game out against TCU. Almost did with the backup. So, hey, th- this Kansas team is 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 not a team to overlook, especially the way that that we've been playing. And so, the the matchup to to watch for for me is going to be that rushing attack of Bean and Neal versus that Baylor defense. Look, we've talked at it about it at length. The the tackling and the rush defense of the second line of Baylor's defense was atrocious. It was the worst of Aranda and Roberts' era. It was all of those things. We can talk about it on and on and on. But yeah, that, that is the matchup to, uh, to watch. Can the Baylor secondary play well? Can they play sound? Can they play together? I think we can. And I'm, uh, man, I, I really hope that we do. Coming up this weekend for homecoming for an 11 o'clock kickoff because... If we don't come ready to play, this Kansas team is definitely good enough to beat us, and uh, they can put points up on the board, that is for sure. And now the Bear Necessities. Bear Necessities I got for you this weekend, this homecoming weekend against those Jayhawks. Number one, it's get back to the basics. The team tackling was a huge issue versus West Virginia. That's something that we're just not used to seeing. That is that is uh, that is shocking for us to see, and we've just got to get back to the basics and the fundamentals of tackling. Quit trying to make the big play. Quit trying to make the big hit. Look at what you're hitting. Wrap up and trust your teammates. Aranda says that if you play sound, the play will come to you. That's what we've got to do versus Kansas. Secondly, do your 111th. We tried to do way too much on defense and make up for the mistakes of other guys instead of trusting others to make the play. We've got to trust each other and play together as a defense. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. Before I get into the game prediction, hey, wanted to uh, just point out that None of my bare necessities were about offense, which should tell you that I'm, I am not worried about this offense versus Kansas. You know, I think if Jalen Daniels was playing for Kansas, I would honestly have a hard time picking Baylor in this game. Bean is a great athlete there at quarterback, but I think the Baylor defense is going to come ready to play. We've got that sour taste in our mouth from Morgantown. I think we get back to the basics, and in doing so, we're going to force a few turnovers from Jason Bean. Shapin and Squirrel, both questionable with head injuries coming to the, into this game. Honestly, I would be shocked if either of them play. So, even with Drones, I think we can win this game. Drones can make the throws that he's going to need to make to win. I think we saw that last week on the road. He made some absolute amazing throws. And I'd like to see us run. With drones, a few design runs here and there. Let him use his athleticism, get him out of the pocket. I, I think can, drones can be much more effective on the ground than Blake Shapin can be. And this Baylor offense is going to continue rolling against that subpar Kansas defense, even with drones at the helm. And the only way Kansas is going to win this game, guys, I think it, if it becomes a shootout or if Baylor decides to play, you know, horribly on special teams again. But I don't foresee that happening at home. I think we bounce back. 
we avoid three straight losses, which would be horrendous. But this Kansas team, they'll be able to make some plays against us, against this struggling Baylor defense, which is so weird to say. But Baylor's offense continues to be on a roll. Baylor makes every extra point, and Baylor wins 42-28. to 28. Let's get to picks and then let's get out of here. If you have bared with me for this long, man, just know I really appreciate you for hanging in there with me. And uh, let's get through these picks here. 16 and 16 and 2 on the year after last week. I went 2 and 2. I was wrong on the Baylor game. Had Baylor minus 3.5. West Virginia won outright, so I was wrong there. Kansas at OU. Man, I was really betting on Kansas there. OU minus 7.5 points. Obviously, Vegas knew something. That I didn't, because OU won by 10. But where I was right, that 16.5 point spread for UT versus Iowa State was too big for me to not take Iowa State. They almost win the game outright, but UT wins by 3. But I cover there. And the number 8 Oklahoma State at number 13 TCU. TCU was minus 3.5 points. I took Oklahoma State plus the points. And Oklahoma State only loses by three, which was an incredible game, by the way. TCU with the comeback in the second half. Um, man, that was a great game and not going to be shocked at all if we see Oklahoma State and TCU facing off for the Big 12 championship in December. All right, so week eight, man, I do not get to pick a lot of games each week. So I am adding in the four new Big 12 teams. So I'm going to pick eight games this week. So here we go. Kansas at BU. Baylor is an eight-point favorite. I'm taking Baylor, man. I'm riding. I'm a ride or die. So I'm taking Baylor minus eight points. West Virginia is going to Lubbock. Tech is favored by seven. And yeah, I, I think Tech is, is better than what we thought they were going to be, at least for me. And uh, even with their second and third string quarterback, whatever they decide to do, I think Tech wins by more than a touchdown. Number 20, Texas visits number 11, Oklahoma State. And UT is favored by six and a half points. That is wild to me. Um, You know, hey, Vegas knew more than me with Kansas and OU, uh, but I don't think they know more than me here. Give me Oklahoma State bouncing back. Even if they lose, it's not going to be by more then six and a half points. Number 17, Kansas State goes to Fort Worth to take on the Horn Frogs. TCU has got it rolling right now, favored by three and a half points. And yeah, I think TCU pulls it out and continues to roll. Like I said, Oklahoma State and TCU, I think, are, are going to meet in December for the Big 12 championship. So yeah, give me TCU minus three and a half. So here we go. BYU at Liberty. Man, BYU has kind of had a, a disappointing season as well. Thought they were going to be a little bit better than they are. BYU minus seven at Liberty, but give me BYU winning by more than a touchdown. Houston visits Navy. Uh, Houston also a disappointing season. So I've got Navy plus three points here at home. Number 21, Cincinnati at SMU. Cincinnati minus three points on the road. But yeah, give me Cincy. I think uh, SMU is struggling a little bit here. UCF at East Carolina. UCF has kind of turned around uh, their season here. They've been playing well as of late on the road, but favored by five points. But I'm going to take 
UCF. That wraps it up this week. Hopefully we'll have a guest for you guys next week. I really do appreciate you guys tuning in this week and bearing with me, even without a guest. And I know it's hard to come in and relive the losses, especially this past one, and to to listen to Baylor podcasts after a loss. But just know, I really appreciate you tuning in with me every week. And if you're a new listener, man, I I, I appreciate you as well. Um, I really enjoy doing the podcast. And so for you guys to tune in each week, man, I, I can't say it enough. It is just so appreciated. And hey, let's ride or die with this Bears team until the end. Let's get a homecoming win. Let's get back on track and let's get to a ball, baby. This is Travis Corley saying stay safe and sick of Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.